of days and evenings, Christmas Eve, December 24th, in the year 2020, a year rich in new experience, certainly with its sorrows and unevenness, but too, like all years, with its blessings. Christmas Eve in our Christian calendar marks the end of the Advent season, a time of reflection and contemplation, and it heralds in the season of Christmastide, 12 days when we celebrate the symbolic birth of Jesus the Christ, around whose way of love we gather. And we have just passed through the winter solstice, the longest night in the year where we live, and a very real reminder of the astonishing complexity of this blue orb we are privileged to call home. I am Reverend Dr. Candace Bist, and along with my husband, Bruce Lee, we serve Primrose United Church and Trinity United Church in Southern Ontario. And I welcome you into this Sabbath space of rest and peace, into a gathering of story and song well familiar to everyone within the church formal and beyond. As is our tradition on Christmas Eve, we continue to read from the book of Luke with his mystical telling of a many-layered love story. Mary and Joseph, the couple at its center, tell us a larger tale of the love between the divine and the human, a sweeping eternal romance that continues on to this day, reminding us over and over again that we are not alone in the universe. We walk hand in hand with some great mystery of love and life that holds us, cares for us, desires our goodness, and the goodness and noble reach of all people without exception. It is the story of a love that cannot be contained by human power or politics. It is a love story that will not be constrained within any particular doctrine, nor coerced by human bidding, though heaven knows through the ages we continue to try. So here is our Sabbath story our mystical Lukean telling in scripture and music. It is the story of a couple who slipped through the heavy net of imperial conquest to offer us a view of God as subversive, hidden, surprising, right here in our midst in a way we could not imagine. It is a story of choosing love in the midst of adversity, and that courageous choice then and now always heralds the singing of angels and a joyfulness that echoes through time. We begin with a poem by Denise Levertov as our call to worship and prayer of confession combined. It's when we face for a moment the worst our kind can do and shudder to know the taint in our own selves that awe cracks the mind's shell and enters the heart. Not to a flower, not to a dolphin, 
to no innocent form, but to this creature, vainly sure it and no other is godlike. God, out of compassion for our ugly failure to evolve, entrusts as guest, as brother, the word. of Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. In those days a decree went out from the emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who is expecting a child. Breath of heaven, hold me together. 
to you one day As you watch my face If a wiser one Should have had my place And I offer all I am For the mercy of your plan Chapter 2, verses 6 to 14. While they were there, the time came for Mary to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those upon whom His favor rests. to 
Chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Of wandering love 
Christmas story, as Luke tells it, is the story of Sabbath sensibilities cancelling out an attempt at world domination by the Roman Empire, the oppressive forces at the time of Jesus' birth. Luke begins his story this way. In those days, a decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Is this business of the census completely historically accurate? No, not completely. But remember that Luke is not telling a historical tale. He's telling something more important, a theological tale. Luke is unveiling a version of God as coming from a new place, from virgin territory outside the common culture of patriarchal oppression. He has chosen Mary, a single, poor, young girl, as his leading lady, an unlikely protagonist. And now, to be sure we understand the context of this upside-down world he presents, Luke puts this imperial order front and center of his love story. People are to be counted, categorized, and ultimately taxed. The monies collected would go to the ongoing expansion of the empire, and the people who did not wish this empire were to be subdued. Mary, in her final stages of pregnancy, was not released from this obligation. Can you imagine that soldiers, temple police, protests, pushback, and violence were involved? Sound familiar? We can be forgiven for not having noticed the themes of homelessness, migration, and authoritarianism in the Christmas story because, well, these images are not found on our Christmas cards or in our holiday movies. They are rarely, if ever, spoken about in polite conversation, nor depicted in art or sculpture or song, with a few notable, more modern exceptions. What we are offered regarding the Christmas story are the more agreeable vignettes, the mother and child, Mary on a donkey with Joseph at her side, the singing angels, the adoring shepherds, the generous wise men, the sparkling sky, the holy night, all lovely, all still important, as long as we remember the context in which the loveliness exists. Our story is instigated in Luke's telling, remember, and the writer may tell what he wishes by a registration for all the people of the world. That's a pretty big reach, a grand ambition on the part of the dominant culture. The word registration is used three times inside four verses, repetition of a singular word, the ancient form of using a highlighter. 
the desire for world domination by one group over all others, Luke tells us, is where our story begins. But then look what happens. There is no room at the inn. Jesus is born in a stable outside the coordinates of imperial surveillance with no witnesses but for the silent animals. And when our couple, Mary and Joseph, slip seamlessly through the Roman net cast over the whole world, who do the angels go to for their great announcement? They seek out the shepherds who live in the hills with no fixed address, the undocumented ones. The shepherds are not registered on Google Maps because they move around and they live with the animals. They have not gone to town to be registered. The angels float about where they will and talk to who they want. They are not caught in the registration process either. Mary finds herself, however you see these matters, pregnant with a child, a tricky business for an unmarried girl in her culture. It still is. And she chooses to go forth in love and faith that the God she loves and the people she loves will be enough to sustain her. Joseph, a Jewish man, knew well the teachings of Leviticus that gave him not only the right but suggested the expectation to have Mary stoned to death. Joseph interpreted the law through the eyes of compassion and listening to his heart and the divine spirit decides to protect Mary instead. As Jesus will do some time later, he finds in the law of his faith the deeper note that tells him all people are beloved and all people are of value. The inn turns Mary and Joseph away. The stable welcomes them. The shepherds who live among the sheep and wild animals are discounted by all so-called good society, but they are courted by no less than the divine messengers. All those who bear witness to this new birth are outside the registration process. The divine will not be subject to any empire or any human law, for it has its own dominion. God moves and breathes and has its being where it will. Luke calls us to watch for God in unexpected places, to seek the miraculous in the everyday matters of life, and to stand in awe and wonder at the magic of it all. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth.
addition to our traditional celebration of the birth of Jesus on December 24th, I would like to draw to your attention three other things that happened on this auspicious date that help us remember that the Divine Spirit has a mind and will outside that of men and women and is always surprising us when we least expect it. I mentioned earlier that we have just passed through the winter solstice and offered the thought that we might reflect on the astonishment of the simple existence of our Earth in orbit. It is just over 50 years ago that we first had a glimpse of our Earth shining like a blue jewel in a sea of black. November 24th is the anniversary of the famous Earthrise photograph taken by astronauts on the Apollo 8 mission in 1968, the first to reach and orbit the moon, the first men to see Earth as a whole planet in its entirety. With all the detail that went into planning this great elaborate adventure, no one gave much thought to the significance of taking a photograph from this vantage point and the effect it would have on the worldview of humanity. It was a humbling, astonishing sight, leaving the astronauts stunned into silence. They decided to read from the book of Genesis, taking turns as they read the first ten verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As the spacecraft orbited around to the dark side of the moon and out of radio contact, they ended the Christmas Eve broadcast this way. We close with good night, good luck, and Merry Christmas. And God bless you all, all of you on the good earth. Reflecting back many years later, Commander Frank Borman mused, what they should have sent was poets, because I don't think we captured in its entirety the grandeur of what we had seen. The next morning on the front pages of newspapers around the world was poet Archibald MacLeish's reflection on the photograph, and it concluded, to see the earth as it truly is, small and blue and beautiful, in that eternal silence where it floats, is to see ourselves as riders on the earth together, brothers on that bright loveliness in the eternal cold, brothers who know now they are truly brothers. So much energy to travel to the moon to see it up close, a monochromatic, lumpy, stony place. And then the grand surprise of seeing anew the earth as it had never even been imagined, a glorious blue sphere sparkling with light and life in the midst of a great ocean of black silence. Divine understandings are always a surprise. The angels that sang at Jesus' birth are still at work in the world, singing through photographs and poets and astronauts alike. December 24th is also the anniversary of Silent Night, first being performed at the Church of St. Nicholas in Oberndorf, Austria, in 1818. The young priest, in preparing his Christmas Eve Mass, discovered that the organ was not working, but he had written a poem a few years earlier, and his choir director quickly wrote out a simple tune on his guitar. The two men just wanted some music for their congregation's Christmas Eve service. Silent Night has been translated and sung in over 300 languages throughout the world. The quintessential Christmas carol included in all Christmas Eve gatherings. Do you think that young priest and that choir director fretting over a broken organ could have imagined such a thing? 
As the prophet Isaiah writes, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And December 24th is also the anniversary of the Christmas Eve truce, which took place in 1914 along the Western Front during World War I. German and British troops had been locked in brutal trench warfare. But on Christmas Eve, sounds of Stille Nacht were heard rising from the German side, and some Brits sang back, the first Noel. Both sides tentatively raised candles and lanterns above the parapets, and the truce began. Soldiers met and exchanged gifts, played impromptu games of soccer. The next morning they returned to their trenches, and the hostilities resumed. But to this day, the tales of the truce are still told, story after story, up and down the Western Front. Imagine, if you will, how those voices, singing in different languages, would have floated across no man's land, littered with dead bodies and the hopelessness of war. Imagine, too, how it must have been to pick up once again the instruments of war the next morning. Peace and war, love and hate, are not as far apart as we might think. We can imagine a different world. It is standing right in front of us. God keeps showing it to us, and though we glimpse it, we know it, we have touched it, we have sung it, we have felt it. Still, so often, we turn away. Maybe not this time.
One of my children told me that when things are getting to him and when he really can't make sense of anything, he brings to mind the wild, crazy idea that he is standing on a ball tumbling through a black nothingness at a great speed on a fantastical ball holding together trees and water and mountains and all of life with no apparent sense or reason as to why and how it all exists, except it does. I call that a divine revelation because my young son is correct. There is no rhyme nor reason to the astonishing graces that we are gifted every single breath of our life in every single day. Don't waste a single moment more on being distressed with anything or anybody. Choose to love and leave everything else to minds more elevated, divine or otherwise. Choose to love over and over and over again until your last breath in this world and the breath beyond. It is the only reasonable, sensible thing to do in the madness and beauty of the world in which we live. Human power tries to control, always has, always will. But it doesn't work where love is concerned. Because as Luke and Dostoevsky and Mary Oliver and every other deep thinker and writer and artist will tell you, love is the single most powerful force in the universe. There is nothing else like it. Go ahead, pick up that lightsaber and flash it around. You are going to have so much fun. And think of the joy and the grace that will ensue. I want to close with my deep gratitude to all the care group leaders in both churches who have been such a great help to me this last year. And also to Anne McAlpine and Gail Brown, our two fearless leaders, without whom I am completely at sea. And to Mr. Bruce Lee for the endless hours he puts into the music every week. And to the Shelburne Primrose Pastoral Charge Choir members who were willing to test out some new technology while we tried to figure out how to record off-site to keep everybody safe and well. My deep appreciation to all. As some of you may know, our daughter Madeline and her beloved Connor, who are currently living in the Netherlands, were married last Saturday in a Zoom ceremony that gathered together people from three different continents, and I lost track of how many countries. A Zoom wedding. I never imagined such a thing. But you know what? All the most important things that mattered at weddings were still the same. There was an overflowing of love and joy and delight, and there were tears and speeches and laughter. We are living through times that call us to remember just what is important and to leave behind what is not. What is important is love, plain and simple. If we focus on that, we will know well enough how to handle everything else. I close with the wonderful wedding blessing from Celtic Christian writer John O'Donohue that was read on Saturday. I have adapted it for all of you. It is my Christmas blessing. Be well. Look after yourselves. Extend grace to everyone and everything around you. Watch over those who are especially tender this year from the recent loss of a family member. It is at this time we are most keenly aware of those who are absent from the table. Be kind, be generous, and choose love. It is always the more interesting choice. Here is your Christmas blessing. 
As spring unfolds the dream of the earth, may you bring each other's hearts to birth. And as the ocean finds calm in view of land, may you love the gaze of the other's mind. As the wind arises free and wild, may nothing negative control your lives. As kindly as moonlight might search the dark, so gentle may you be when light grows scarce. As surprised as the silence that music opens, may your words for each other be touched with reverence. As warmly as the air draws in the light, may you welcome each other's every gift. As elegant as dream absorbing the night, may sleep find you clear of anger and hurt. And as twilight harvests all the day's color, may love bring you home to each other.
I can give. 